are you guys doing? Seems like uh, like one person's doing good. That's awesome. Um, Seems like you're all doing good. You look amazing. And um, just can't wait to to see what God's going to do during this service uh, where we celebrate um, baptism, water baptism. And I'm actually going to talk about water baptism this morning. But before I do that, uh, my name is Sebastian van Wessem. I'm the lead pastor here at Thousand Hills. And it's a tremendous honor and privilege to to be sharing with you today. I want to welcome everybody who's watching through church online and those of you who are here for the first time who came in as a guest, but also those of you who are here like every week. Let's, Let's welcome you. Uh, in this place. Let's put our hands together for all of them. Uh, we're in a series called Lost Essentials, and which is based on Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, and I'll read it in just a few moments. Uh, but we're, we're, we're digging out some foundational principles about the Christian faith and building our faith upon that. And, and hopefully through that, we can grow in our um, spiritual maturity. So uh, I want to pray, and then, uh, then we'll get going with this message. Father, we thank you for Uh, for today, for this amazing opportunity to be in your house and to experience your presence and to see you move in our lives. We thank you for a new life that we celebrate through water baptism. And and God, we want to, we want to, today we want to learn more about that and want to lay a strong foundation for our faith uh, today. And God, just speak to every person in this room and who's watching online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so, uh, so before I get going, uh, as I was preparing uh, for this message, uh, I had to think of our very first baptism service at Thousand Hills. How many of you were part of the very first baptism service of Thousand Hills? It's like four of you here. So we're, we're 12 years old now. Uh, we started in 2006. There's a lot of new people who joined the church, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's been an amazing ride. But that first baptism service, uh, I, I still remember it to, uh, to the day of today. And it was actually in at Goymeer. How many of you have ever been to Goymeer? Right? Yeah. It's an amazing uh, body of water. Uh, the, the, the water doesn't always smell very nice these days. Uh, you got all these water plants in there. Um, back then it was okay. Uh, right now I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this again, <laughs> just to be honest with you. Uh, but, um, but we had a couple of baptism candidates, and, a, and the third baptism candidate that we baptized is sitting here on the front row, uh, Martijn de Wilt. Martijn, just wave. Um, and I actually had to think of him. You know, the first person that came to my, to my mind when, when I was thinking of that service was him, actually. And the step that he, the bold step that he took uh, back then. He's, he's part of our worship team and uh, a great musician, singer. Uh, love having him around here at, at church. But, you know, what's so amazing was back then, uh, he wasn't like 23 or whatever you are uh, today. Yeah, 26, whatever. Uh, he was 11 years old. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> Uh, he was 11 back then, and um, he actually made the decision himself. You know, I, I want to take that step to be water baptized. And, um, and um, you know, it was really nobody pushed him. His parents didn't push him. He, he came from a Christian family, but he really sensed that, hey, this is, you know, God is asking me to take this step. Uh, as young as I am, I don't care. I'm going to take this step. And you know what? It was, uh, it was an amazing step. But um, a couple of weeks later, his life drastically changed uh, because of the divorce of his parents. And, um, and um, you know, you, you might think, well, was this the right step for him to take, you know, those, those weeks before? But what he told me was that, you know, actually um, he was so rooted in his Christian faith. And that step of water baptism actually strengthened his decision to, um, to follow, keep following Jesus in the rough time that he was going through at this very young age. 
and, and he kept him strong. And, and I believe that that's one of the main reasons why he's here and serving God and, and just flourishing in the house of God. And I'm just, I just want to tell you, man, I'm so proud of you. That you did. Let's put our hands together for more time. Amazing story, amazing story. Thank you for, uh, for entrusting us with your life and being a part of this, uh, this family. So let's, uh, let's, let's, re- let's look at God's word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, through one through, uh, verse 1 through 3, uh, which, uh, which talks about, um, about uh, a couple of elements of the Christian faith that are so important. It says this, therefore. So when you see a verse that starts with therefore, the author is trying to bring something really important across to us. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. In other words, spiritual maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. We spoke about that three weeks ago. And of faith toward God. We spoke about it two weeks ago. Of the doctrine of baptisms. That's our topic today. Of laying on of hands. That's next week. Of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. I love this. What it says here. Because within, within just three verses... You know, the author of Hebrews, and by the way, this is not uh, the Apostle Paul. Some people think it was the, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, but the literary style is so different that, uh, that, that uh, most scholars today actually think of somebody else, an anonymous person that we don't know who, who wrote it, but it's, it's an amazing book that we can learn a lot from. And it's actually written to the Hebrews, which is like Jewish people back uh, almost 2,000 years ago who had made the decision to follow Jesus. And the author of Hebrews, basically, what he does is this. You know, he says, like, hey, um, um, you know, there's so much I want to tell you about spiritual maturity and growing in your faith. And I want to get ready to do that. But I first got to make sure that the basics are right. I first got to make sure that some of those foundational principles are are in place before I do that. Because you can't handle it if you you don't get the basics right. If you build a, um, like a skyscraper, you know, you go up, I don't know, 100 stories or so. You got to make sure that there's a strong, deep foundation in order to build that high building because it's going to collapse. And the same is true with our faith. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to grow higher, we got to grow deeper first. We got to have deep roots in the Christian faith. And those, those six things that the author of Hebrews lists here, they're elementary principles. They're, they're a strong, they cause a strong foundation upon which we can build for the future. The author of Hebrews here mentions the doctrine of baptisms. I don't know about you, but when I see um, something written down like that, I'm, I immediately start to wonder, why does it say baptisms and not baptism? I know some of you are like thinking the same thing. I just see question marks, like alpha question marks right on top of your head right now. Baptisms. You're going to say a whole lot about that, and I'll dig, dig into that a little bit um, during this message, um, and, but we'll, and we'll talk some more about that next week. But, um, you know, in, in uh, Ephesians 4, verse 4 through 6, Paul actually says that there is one baptism. There's one baptism, one God and Father over all, who's above all and through all and in you all. There's one baptism. So how do you kind of um, combine these two things? Are these scriptures conflicting or not? And I want to turn to you. Um, to a story that kind of paints the picture of, of the Hebrew background of, of baptism and how the Hebrew baptism of, background, uh, of, of baptism became the foundation of water baptism. 
in the Christian faith the way we know it right now. And what I want to do is I, I want to draw out eight powerful principles that are related to water baptism and that hopefully create a desire in your heart that if you haven't taken this step upon your own professional faith, that you would take that step as well because it's going to change, it's going to change your life. And I want to turn with you uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 3. If you have a Bible, uh, just, uh, just open it right there or open your app or whatever you, you have, but make sure you go there and got a, get a notebook out as well because there's, there's eight principles and I want you to write these down. They're very important principles for, for your life. So I want to go to verse 1. It says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who, has, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Make his path straight. So you see here this, 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 this figure John the Baptist, you know, I can imagine him kind of like screaming and shouting, standing in the Jordan River and saying, hey, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See this? I see it right in front of my eyes. You know, I will see it. I will see it in, in almost like in, in reality because we're going to Israel in October and we'll, we'll probably be very close to this location where that happened. And that message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is, is not something that... that John the Baptist, you know, um, invented, invented himself. This is a message that was already there in, in the Jewish faith. And actually, in the Jewish faith, this, this, this message of preparation for, you know, something spiritual that's going to happen in your life is actually called the teshuva, the teshuva. And it's an age-old Jewish message. And this message challenged Jewish people to take inventory of their spiritual condition and return to God with all their heart. And John, he repeated that message. Not only did John repeat that message, Jesus himself also repeated that message later on in Matthew 4, 17. Look it up yourself. The story continues in verse 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He is a kind of, you know, it's a little weird. And his food was locusts and wild honey, even weirder. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. You see here that he's baptizing. Uh, all these people were baptized. Now this... Um, Bible book, the Gospel, uh, Gospel of Matthew, was written in, in Greek, in Koine Greek. And, and the Greek that this, this book was written in used the word baptizo. It's a, it's a verb, and, and that, that word that means to totally immerse, to totally immerse. So no sprinkling or anything like that. No, no you, you really get dunked on the water. That's what this word, the, the connotation of this word is. It's really important to realize. And, you know, there was a Hebrew counterpart for that, that that predated the Christian faith called the Tevila. Tevila. Because, like I said before, John didn't invent baptism. He didn't invent the message of the, of the Teshuva, uh, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't invent that. He, neither did he invent uh, water baptism. It was already there in Judaism. 
There were similar washings going on in the Jewish faith. In fact, you know, when, um, when, when people would prepare for like a holiday, like a, like a religious holiday, what they would do is they would undergo such a washing. They would go underwater. They would cleanse themselves spiritually uh, in that same way. And also to become part of the Jewish religion, to become part of the Jewish, you know, faith, you know, men had to first be circumcised, but also be, be, be baptized, be washed in that same way. And for women, it's just a washing. So you, you could have been glad to just be a woman back in those days. So there were washings going on in, the, in Judaism. And those, those tevilas, they took place in a mikvah. Mikvah, I probably say mikvah. Mikvah, okay. Great. And it's like a ritual pool. It's kind of like a, like a pool like this. There it is. That's what it looks like. That's a, that's a, that's a mikvah. A Jewish mikvah where, where people were baptized, where we're washed under, under water. And in the mikvah, you know, there, there are like several of those that you could find um, on the Temple Mount. You know, I think we all know the pictures of, of, uh, of Jewish people praying in front of the, uh, the, um, the um, uh, how do you call it, the Wailing Wall um, in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, that's where those, those mikvahs were and multiple of them. Because, you know, sometimes people ask the question, how could, how could thousands of people in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, be baptized in the city of Jerusalem? Well, it was because they had multiple of those mikvahs. So they could go on and on and on and baptize those people back in those Back in those days. So there's, there's multiple of those. Um, there were multiple of those in, uh, in Jerusalem. And the mikvah, this, this ritual bath, symbolizes both the womb and the grave. And consequently, rebirth. In the in Jewish faith. I'm talking about the Jewish faith here. And for them it was an important way to reconnect with God. And because the mikvah is a place where hope is reawakened. You know, and, and people... People who, who took those washings, they did that before going into the temple, before religious feasts, like I already said before. So these ritual washings, they were, they were like the, the context, the background before, before um, John arrived on the scene, John the Baptist arrived on the scene, who, by the way, wasn't a Baptist. His name was John. Uh, actually, um, Johannes in Greek. And, uh, oh man, I forgot the Hebrew version of that. Thank you. I'm a human too. And uh, so, uh, so, um, so these, uh, these, this is a background for, for, the, for John's baptism here and, and Christian baptism as we know it today as well. So through John's baptism, everyone who came to him to be baptized, they showed to, uh, to, uh, to other people and to God that they chose to be on the Lord's side. And like I said, I, I want to give you eight principles and here's the first one, so write it down. Through baptism, you choose to be on the Lord's side. Through baptism, you choose to be on the Lord's side. We're like choosing sides for baptism. When you get baptized, water baptized, it's an initiation in, into the family of God. God. God is loyal to you and me through the new covenant, which is not limited to, to just the Jewish people, the people of God, but it's limited to every human being in this world. We can all be part of the people of God through the new covenant because of what Jesus has done on the cross. When he died there, when his blood was shed, that was like the, the, the start of the new covenant for us, and we can be a part of that. It's amazing that through the blood of Jesus, the covenant, the new covenant is, is ours. And so Jesus, so God is loyal to us through that new covenant, and God wants us to be loyal to him in return by responding to that covenant through water baptism. Now, how many of you have been part of a gang? Don't raise your hands right now. 
Okay, there's one person who raises their hand. Okay, I'm not watching because I don't want you to be arrested. So, but when you're part of a gang, and we've all seen this in movies, right? Let's make this, let's play this a little safe. We've all seen movies. When you join a gang, what happens is you get a tattoo that kind of says which gang you're a part of. It kind of shows it's your seal. It's like you're, you know, you identify with, with that particular gang. But not only that, when you join a gang, what's going to happen is, you know, your, your, your buddies, your gang buddies, they're going to rough you up a little bit. And you're going to be, your face is going to be bloody. Your whole body's going to be bloody. And you're going to feel like you're, you died already. It's horrible to join a gang. But that's the way that, you know, that they show that you're, you're, you're a part of the gang right now. And you've got to undergo the suffering to become part of, the, to become part of that gang. To be, become part of that, um, you know, kind of like a family. That's how these gangs actually operate. They're, they're, they function like families for those people. But you know what? With the Christian faith, it's, it's the same. You know, we, we get a tattoo on our heart almost because we're born again. And we're also like, you know, we're, we're a little bit roughed up actually by, by other, other believers because we're dunked on the water. And let me tell you this. If we, if we keep you underwater too long, it's going to be very uncomfortable. We're, I promise you. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to keep you underwater too long for those of you who get baptized. So don't worry, all right? Don't worry. Don't, don't run away from this service at this moment. But it's, it's a sign of joining a family. It's, it's a sign of showing your loyalty to God and to his family. Everyone in the New Testament became part of the family of God through, you know, of course, surrendering the life to, to Jesus, but also through baptism, water baptism. And that is why it's so important here at Thousand Hills. You know, there's only one exception in the New Testament of someone who never got baptized. Why? Because there was no way for him to be baptized anymore. And that was the criminal who hung next to Jesus on the cross. He like repented of his old life right, right when he was hanging there. And, and, and Jesus told him that, hey, today you'll be with me in heaven. You'll be with me in paradise. So he couldn't get baptized, obviously, hanging there on that cross. So through baptism, you choose sides. Baptism is a, a public declaration of faith. Baptism is a loyal, loyalty oath to Jesus. And it's also a public declaration that the enemy has been defeated. And I'll talk more about that in, in just a little bit. So it's a public affirmation, a vow to show that you're on the Lord's side in the cosmic war between good and evil. So my question to you is this, on whose side are you? Are you on the Lord's side? Today you can make a decision to be on the Lord's side. Surrender your life. Later on in the service, you'll get the opportunity to surrender to him. And if you want, you know, we got you covered. We got, you know, we got jogging pants and, and shirts available if you want to get underwater. You just need to talk to a person um, after, after I'm done preaching and we'll, we'll, we'll let you go as well. So we're ready for you. And the story continues in verse 7. But when, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brother vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's, a, that's not a real nice way to talk to people, right? Have you ever done that to your boss at work, maybe? Don't do it, don't do it. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. 
And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He says, you need to bear fruits worthy of repentance. He says that to some people who, are, who looked really religious on the outside, looked really good on the outside, but something was going on on their inside. And basically what, what John was trying to say here, you know, uh, there, you know if, if you make a decision to, to put God number one, make God number one in your life, something will change on the inside of you. And if, so, if nothing changed on the inside of you, there's a problem. New life, rebirth, will have effects on how you live your life from day to day. Because when we're born again, and that's what baptism symbolizes, you know, you're totally new on the inside. The effects will have to become visible on the outside. And that's my, my second principle I want to share with you. With baptism, you show that you are a new creation, a new creation. Two great scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, everything, all things have become new. Amazing verse. Here in Colossians 2, 11 and 12, it says this. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Wow. New life. You know, I don't know about you. How many of you love watching, uh, watch, watch, love watching advertisements on YouTube? Nobody. Come on. One person. Okay, thank you. We need one hand. I just needed one hand. Nobody loves to watch advertisements. Really. I mean, there's some of them that are fun, right? But what's so interesting about advertisements is that they, they'll, they'll take a product and they'll say, hey, this product is like totally new. It's like it's talking about this car. It's totally new. It's a totally new, um, you know, car that we put out on the market. But let me tell you this. Last time I checked, that new car, at least supposedly new car, still had four wheels. And most of those cars still have combustion engines. Maybe if it's a, a, a Tesla and it has an electric engine, it, it is totally new. You can kind of debate that, right? But when it's just a better engine that is a little bit more economic, has a little bit more power, has a turbo on it or whatever, it doesn't mean it's a, it's a new thing. It's just a renewed thing. But the thing is, with water baptism and with celebrating the new life that is in you, you know, baptism is a sign of the biggest miracle that can happen in the life of a human being. And there is, that means that there is hope for every human being. It doesn't matter how far you're away from God, how far you have progressed in, in false religion, in Eastern, uh, you know, mysticism, in, 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 you know, in sin, in, in you know, wrong lifestyle. It, it, maybe you're, you're locked in prison and you're watching this if, if you can get internet in prison. But there's hope for every human being. That's so amazing. There was hope for me 23 years ago. There's hope for you. doesn't matter how far away you are from God you feel at this moment. You know, we're no longer of this world, even though we're still in this world. And if you haven't been baptized to show that you're a new creation, you minimize what God has done in your life already or what he is able to do in your life. With baptism, you show, hey, all these new things God can do in my life or he has already done in my life. You need that sign or that symbol there.
There's another key verse here. It says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as a, an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So through, when you're born again, you know, when you are following Jesus, you are a new creation and you receive a good conscience. But when you look at this verse, you know, this, this verse has kept the theologians busy for the last 2,000 years. So I'm not going to solve a theological or, 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 or a textual uh, problem for you right here. I'm just going to be very plain with you right now. I mean, we don't, unless you want to be in here till like 6 p.m., how many of you are with me? Come on. Uh, one person. Thank you. I paid that person to raise their hand. Just, just so you know. But this, this scripture is, is like it has, has kept the uh, theologians busy for, for such a long time. But, and there's two interpretations, two main interpretations. And let me tell you this. They're both good. All right? So the first one is this. Baptism is an appeal for a good conscience. That's one way to read this. In other words, through baptism, you make the decision to turn from sin and to turn from dead works. We talked about that three weeks ago. To the living God. So basically when you get into the water and, 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 and you see baptism as an appeal for a good conscience, it's like your salvation and your baptism come together at the same moment. It's like, hey, you know, what you're just saying here, uh, pastor, I believe this. I want to I accept Jesus um, as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to get into the water right now. And it's like your, your baptism is almost like a salvation prayer, which you pray at the end of every service, right? But the other translation of this, the other way to look at this verse is like this. Baptism is an, is an appeal from a good conscience. It's like a prayer from a good, good, uh, good conscience. You're already saved. And because you're saved, you now make the appeal from a good conscience. Both options are good. Both options make a lot of sense. But let me tell you this. An infant, like a little baby, can't do an appeal from a good conscience. Or even from a good conscience. Or for a good conscience. I'm mixing it up right now myself. They can. Because an infant, little infant, doesn't have a, a conscience yet. This, this kind of, you know, arises over time. So, that's why water baptism is something that, that can only be done if, if you have a conscience. If you are in an age where you understand, you know, what, what the decision is that you're making. As good as... The step was that your parents maybe baptized you as an infant or sprinkled you as an infant. It's a beautiful sign. But biblical baptism is immersion at an age where you actually have a conscience and understand what the decision is. That's, that's, I'm just talking Bible here. This is not my own theology. It's just the Bible. Anyway, we go on with verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance... But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is another type of baptism, right? And fire. That's still another kind of baptism. I'm not going to talk about that. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So multiple baptisms. That's why Hebrews talks about that. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is another baptism that, that we all need to experience in our lives. 
We'll talk a little more about that later on, uh, like later on this message, but also next week. So make sure you're back for that. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at uh, Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. John was like, hey, man, why does Jesus show up here at the Jordan River where I'm baptizing? Why does he want to be baptized by me? I need to be baptized by him because he's greater than I am. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I need to be baptized by you right here. And, and, you know, I understand, John, actually, why, why he didn't want to baptize Jesus at that moment because Jesus was already on the Lord's side, right? We, we said that, that was one of the things that we, we show when we get baptized. He was already on the Lord's side. In fact, he never even departed from, from God's side. Jesus was already a new creation. You know, he had open fellowship with God, unlike any of us before we're born again. So why did Jesus want this so badly? What does it mean to fulfill all righteousness? I'm glad you asked. Jesus, he was obedient on behalf of all humanity. And he identified not only with God as his father, he identified as as the son of God, but he also identified with all of mankind as the son of man. That's another way to refer to Jesus, right? In the book of Matthew, this term is used so often, the son of man. And Jesus gave an example for all of us to follow. And if Jesus did it, we should do it based on our own professional faith, even if we have been baptized as an infant. Because 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says this, He's your example and you must follow in his steps. So here's my third principle. With baptism, you follow Jesus in obedience to God. And let me tell you this, the way of obedience to God is the best way we can live our lives. Verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. I don't know about you, but how many of you love, would love to have an open heaven over their lives? Come on, how many of you would love to have an open heaven over their lives? I, I, I do. That's how I want to live my life. And that's, that's my, my, what is it, the fourth principle already. And as water baptism creates an open heaven over your life, if you're wondering why, the, why, why it always, see, always seems like your, your prayers never get, 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 get beyond the, the ceiling, maybe it is because you haven't taken this step yet. Could be. It could be other reasons, but that's an, that's an important reason. It creates an open heaven over your life. You know that through salvation, through repentance and salvation and um, Baptism, heaven, heaven is now your home, you know. Heaven is not only open to you, it's actually your home. Ephesians 2 says this. This is really amazing. Verse 4 through 6. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now here's here's what I get from these these three verses here. So we, we died with Christ, right, when we were baptized. 
It's like there's a water grave. You, you get buried in a water grave. That's clear. And then, then you raise up from that water grave and you're raised to new life. Great. There's another thing that happens when we get baptized, and that is not only are we, are we, have we died with Christ and have we ra- were we raised with Christ, we've also ascended with Christ into the heavenly realms. We're, we're citizens of heaven right now. We're, we're part of heaven. You know, our, our true home is not earth anymore. Our true home is heaven. That's awesome, people. We got to live with heaven on our mind. You can be more excited about that. Come on. We're seated with him in heavenly realms. In the heavenly realms. Heaven is our home. And the story continues. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Here's an important one. When Jesus... When he was baptized, he was anointed for his assignment. The Holy Spirit baptism immediately followed his water baptism. And you see this happen again and again in the book of Acts. And some of you are struggling with this step to be water baptized because you're, you have this in your mind. Well, my parents already baptized me as a, as a, as a child. And you're like, you're longing for, for, the, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're longing for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can fulfill the assignment that God has on your life. But you're like, hey, I'm stuck. I want to receive this, but I can't get it. Follow Jesus in obedience. Take that step to be water baptized. When you're water baptized, the Holy Spirit anoints you for the assignment. And well, this is what the assignment is. But you shall receive power. How many of you want power in your life? You shall receive power. Come on, let's say this together. You shall receive power. Come on, can we say this? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. You know what? You know what what Jesus is, is waiting for? You know, Jesus can reach the whole world by himself. Uh, He could use angels to preach the gospel to to everyone and get the whole world saved in that way. But he's choosing you and me to be involved in this assignment. So he wants to give you power for the assignment. He wants to mobilize you for the assignment. We've got to kind of get that idea out of our heads that that if if we become Christians, the only place we're going to serve is in church. You know, serving in church is great. It's awesome. Thank you for doing that. But your place of, your assignment is actually in your workplace, is in your schools, is in the neighborhood where you, where you live, it's, it's, it's in the streets, it's, it's everywhere. This is just a home base on Sunday. We get together, we, we, we get pumped up by, you know, by, by, by a great message and, and the Holy Spirit is at work and stuff, but we're, we're prepared for the, for, the, for the week ahead of us where we actually are mobilized and do an amazing thing for God. Verse 17 continues, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I, whom I well, well pleased. This is my beloved son. Amazing that, that God would, that this would be an audible voice that not only Jesus could hear, but John could hear and the others could hear who were standing there. This is my beloved son. The father and the son, they're, they're one. And Jesus was given God's authority to, to fulfill God's mission in the world. He said this in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you as well. So Jesus is, has all authority, received all authority from God the Father, and, and, but he's given it to you and me. There's an assignment that you and I need to fulfill in this world. Otherwise, Jesus, when we got saved, he could have taken us up to heaven right away. But he chose not to because he wants to use us, and use us for that assignment. God the Father gave Jesus this, his authority, and now he's sending us out in his authority to fill, fulfill the same mission. Through water baptism, we're given God's authority to fulfill his mission. Verse 17, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father, he validated Jesus as his son. Just as Jesus is the son of God, you and I are God's sons and daughters. We, we need to be validated in that relationship. Through water baptism, this is our seventh principle. We're going fast. Through water baptism, God validates you as his son or daughter. It's like God is smiling over you. It's like, man, he's it's my daughter. This is my son. Every son, every daughter, every man, every woman needs to hear that they have what it takes. You know, we live in a fatherless generation where our fathers have either not been there because of maybe divorce or they weren't there emotionally, spiritually in the family. And, and we need God to speak to us and validate us. Say, I love you. You're amazing. You've got a great plan for your life. And, and you're just my child. You're just my, my daughter. You're just my son. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Know that you're validated in the relationship. The story doesn't end with verse 17. John baptized close to the Dead Sea. And right next to the Jordan River where, where, where John baptized, there is a desert. And right after Jesus' baptism, it says this, and Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And here in the wilderness, you know, Jesus fasts and prays for 40 days. No food, no drink, nothing. And he's so hungry that the devil comes to him and says, hey, why don't you take these stones and make it bread? Because, you know, you could do it. You know, you're the son of God. You could change it in an instant. And he tempts him three different times. But Jesus pushes back against the devil by using the word of God. And, and then it says that um, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and in him only shall you serve. And says, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And that takes me to principle number eight, and that's this. Baptism is a declaration of war against the kingdom of darkness. You know, there's victory for Jesus. There's victory for, for his kingdom. It will ever expand and take this earth. But there's also victory for you. There's doom for the devil and for his kingdom. Baptism is a declaration of war and we're on the offense, we're not on the defense. You know, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, it speaks about the ecclesia and that the ecclesia will, uh, will, will advance against the powers of darkness and it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the ecclesia, to, against the church. And you know what? Last time I checked, the gates are a defense mechanism. They're not, you can't fight with gates. You can just hold off the enemy. And you know what? The devil is already defeated. He's a loser. 
Come on, let's say that. The devil's a loser. And Jesus won already. He, he won the victory. And you and I get to share in that amazing victory. Jesus wants to show you off. Jesus wants to provoke the enemy. And Jesus wants to rub it in. Yet many of you are still living in defeat today. Baptism is the key to breakthrough. Baptism is the key to breakthrough. To break when we can say, man, not today, devil. Not today, devil. We're, we're already victorious. But it takes a step on your end and my end. My question to you today is this. What is your step today? Who's on the Lord's side today? Who's on the Lord's side? You know, when, when I got baptized in 1995, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And um, ended up at this church in, in a place called Demon near Amsterdam. And we were baptized in this, this, this pool. Four other people besides me, uh, we all had these white robes. You know, that's what you do back in those days. How many of you remember those? And I, I, was, I had an interesting life at that moment. I, I, had made a, I had made a very radical commitment to follow Jesus, but I was still smoking joints. I was still, you know, I was still drug addict, basically. But I knew that God had called me to take this step, just as God had called Martin to take this step at a very young age. And I was like, I'm doing this. And uh, as I went into the water and got out, I was still a pot smoker, but now a wet pot smoker instead of a dry pot smoker. And it took only a couple of months and, and the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. Hey, you gotta get rid of that addiction in your life and I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna give you the strength. I'm gonna give you the power to break through that. And some of you are here, you're wondering, you know, you're, you've been going through a life and, you know, you're going through life and, and some things are holding you back. Maybe there's sin, secret sin in your life. Maybe, maybe there's addictions that hold you back. Maybe, you know, maybe it's cigarettes. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's, it's drugs. Don't, don't really care what it is. Maybe it's pornography. But you know what? There is victory for you in Jesus' name. There's victory for you in Jesus' name. And that victory, you know, maybe if you haven't taken that step to get water baptized, if you do that today, you're actually going to walk away victorious from this place. Doesn't mean you're not, you're not going to struggle anymore in your life, but God's going to help you. And you're, you're going to have something to look back at. You know, hey, I made that step. I made that commitment to put Jesus number one in my life. We can be set free from our own life. Jesus is number one in our lives. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. God, we thank you for, for this moment. We thank you, God, that you're real, that um, you're a God who loves us, a God who, who gives us second chances and third chances, a God who, no matter how we messed up, still loves us and has a plan for us. And God, today, um, I, I want to I make that that own commitment to you again, Lord, that I want to be on your side. And I know there's many people with me that want to say to you again that we want to be on the Lord's side. We want to be on your side. And we want to live that out, God, every day of our lives. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and, and you sense like you've walked away from God or maybe you've never taken that step, that first step to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you know, Heaven can be open upon your life. And it starts out with one simple prayer, followed by water baptism. But there's one, one simple prayer. That's the prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of returning to God and 
laying everything aside and going back to him. And if you want to be right with God, you could take that step today. And if that's you, just raise your hand for a brief moment. Nobody's watching. I want to pray with you. I want to pray a prayer with you. If that's you. If you want to return to God or return to him for the first time, thank you so much for your hand. I know there's some more people that want to need to take this step this morning. Let's pray out loud together. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. That he died on the cross for my sins. That you are loyal to me. And I want to be loyal to you, Jesus. God, I want to make you my number one. I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn from my dead works. I want to turn to you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give, the, let's give these people a hand, round of applause.